You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and the skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to The Boutique with Collective 54, a podcast for founders and leaders of boutique professional services firms. For those that are not familiar with Collective 54, we're the first mastermind community to help you grow, scale, and exit your firm bigger and faster, specifically for pro-serve firms. My name is Greg Alexander, and I'm the founder, and I'll be your host. And our topic today is comparables, otherwise known as comps. And this is for firms that would like to sell themselves at some point. And it discusses how being in the right category or being compared correctly to others like you can have a big impact on the purchase price and the terms of the deal. And to help me with this conversation, we've got an exceptional role model this morning. His name is Frank Williamson. And Frank runs Oakland Consulting, which is somebody who helps clients with this particular item. Their services include acquisitions, transaction management, private equity capital service, and so on. And uh, and he and his firm probably know more about this than any of, any of us ever will. So we're really lucky to have him with us. So, so Frank, it's it's good to see you. And would you please uh, properly introduce yourself to the audience? Oh, Greg, it's great to be here, and I I really appreciate what what you're doing for the audience and for the founders of professional services firms. So yes, we we do just what you described, which was well done. We are we're an investment banking boutique. We work with small and mid-sized companies, nonprofits, professional services firms, and others when there's a major transaction to navigate. You know, maybe it's an incoming offer, or maybe it's a very planful and strategic sale. Um, you know, maybe it's the need to raise capital to grow. But we try to be good guides to people through that process. Okay, fantastic. So Frank, many of our members are first-time founders and entrepreneurs. They haven't been through an exit before. They probably have listened to guys and gals like me and read all the books and tried to educate themselves. But when I have this conversation regarding comparables and positioning yourself in the proper category, sometimes it's deer in the headlights. It's For some reason, it's an abstract idea that's tough to understand. So I'm wondering if you might offer the audience your perspective on this topic maybe share an example or two, just to bring some greater clarity to it. Well, um, the chapter of your book on comps does the really nice analogy of a real estate broker. And I think a, a, a lot of us have more opportunities in life to think about, well, how do I comp the cost per square foot of something than how do I comp a whole business? And And we might even wonder why that comping things idea makes sense since businesses are so different from one another. But you, know, you, you brought up I, in the chapter, I thought, you know, some really good ways to look at it. One of them amounts to saying, well, who are you relative to other similar firms that someone you're talking to might see? Um, you know, and, and I think importantly, who are you relative to the kind of firm that an that a bigger acquisitive company might buy? You know, are you like them or unlike them? And I think that having a bead on that really gives people 
a chance to start talking with their exit partner, their, you know, their succession partner, um, about how do we fit and what can we do together? And it, you know, it, it's easy for all of us to go into those kinds of conversations with some kind of analogy. Yeah. And that's what I think comps are most useful as is the analogy that gets the conversation going. Yeah. So for, for listeners that haven't had a chance to read the book, let's just stay on the real estate example because it's easy. You know, let's say you want to list your house um, and you hire a real estate agent to represent you and you say, well, what's the house worth? Well, they consider your neighborhood, your street, homes that like yours that have sold and they boil it down to a metric. Sometimes like in Texas where I live, it's, it's cost per square foot. And then there's other metrics that we use. Well, in the business world, it's very similar. If you have a firm that you want to sell, you would hire somebody like Frank's company to help you do that. And you'd say, what's it worth? And they would go out and, and do some homework and come back with some comps and say, you know, this is your this is a range of what your firm might be worth, and, and here's what it will trade on. Sometimes it's a multiple of revenue. Sometimes it's a multiple of EBITDA. There's a bunch of different ways that you can value a firm. And getting that incorrect can cost you a lot of money. And I, I share my story in the book where at one point when I sold my firm, people thought we were a sales training firm, and that, that carried a much lower comp. And we weren't. We were a management consulting firm, which carried a higher comp. And just moving into that category and being able to prove that that's the category we belonged in, you know, got me a higher price and better terms. And that's what's so important. Now, Frank, it's it's hard for founders to identify who their comps are. Um, and that's probably why they hire your firm in part is to figure that out. So how do you how do you find this difficult to locate information? Because these transactions are private companies. The data is not readily available. How do you learn what the going rate is, so to speak? Yep. Well, there, there are two parts of that good question. One is who to be comped against. Yeah. And then the second one is, well, get, given that I did that, then what's the going rate? Um, it, if you don't mind, let me just do the, the first one first, because I think it's a little bit easier bite of the apple to, you know, to, to get in your mouth. Um, <laughs> and... And, and, and we see many people who haven't just figured out who are who is comparable to me, you know, who are other people like me. And that I think people can do often on their own by just sort of scanning the business landscape. Who do I compete with? Who else is sold? Um, who do I compete for staff with? Um, you know, who? who is like me and who do I want to be like? Like in the case of your story, do I want to be like a management consulting firm or do I want to be like a, a sales training firm and how will I prove that? Mm. Um, then comes the hard part, which is how do I get to a real number that makes any sense? And 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 as many people know, you know, price is at least half the equation, terms or the rest. You know, if, if I went out and you know, heard a friend of mine tell me he sold his business for 20 times last year's EBITDA, but upon further probing with him or with the buyer, you know, I realized that it was eight times at closing. <laughs> And a big profit share that came along and it was equal to 12 times after that. And in any event, the buyer thought they were going to make twice as much off the business as the seller did. And so really the prior year's earnings weren't the right 
number to put a multiple against anyway. It wasn't how the deal came together, but it makes a great headline. I sold my business for 20 times. Well, going and using that 20 as the basis for a comp isn't really going to help anyone beyond a great story over dinner about what a great negotiator you are. Um, so it, it really is hard to get a, an honest bead on what are firms like mine selling for in reality. And you know, our experience is there are a few good sources of data around the marketplace, number one. Number two, people who are active in the market have an anecdotal sense that adds something important to the data. And number three, even with that, there's a big element of small operating companies trading in a market that just, you know, is a you don't know until you ask kind of market. Mm -hmm. And finding the way to ask the right questions you know, it is a lot is a lot of what we do on behalf of clients. It's a lot of what people you know, get out of investment bankers is, can you find a way to ask what the terms really were such yeah. that you feel like you've got an honest answer? Yeah. You know, a little bit more about my story and how I stumbled into this, because I was a first-time founder myself, and this was a foreign mm -hmm. world to me. So as, as we were gaining some some uh, traction, one of the big consulting firms approached us and said, hey, we, we would like to buy you or consider buying you. Your firm is worth 1.25 trailing 12-month revenue. I didn't know any better. And I said, okay, well, that's really not that interesting because we're growing at 30% a year, so I'll just hold on to it. And then we bid on a company. So we were on the other side of the desk, and we participated in an auction run by an investment banker, and we lost. And I was surprised we lost. And when the banker called me and told me we lost, and he said well, we were one-third the price. We offered, like I think it was like $20 million, and they sold for like 60 and I couldn't believe the number. And I said to the banker, I said, my goodness, if you could get that for that business, what, what could you get for mine? And the, the banker did a great job, and they said, well, they're adjacent to you, not exactly like you, but you know, if you probably can get a little bit more because you're bigger than them. But the only way to really find out is give it a try. So we hired them because they were the experts, and they went out, and as, as luck would have it, thank goodness, they got a number that I never thought possible. But what I learned from that experience is your business is worth what someone's willing to pay for it. And, and to your yeah, point, I think that's such an important lesson and one that one that is hard to have come across when any business owner does probably their first encounter with getting their business valued, which is for some wealth planning purpose or tax planning purpose, they go get a valuation report. Hmm. And that uses a you know wide you know, very broad set of comps and describes a theoretical transaction to the satisfaction of you know, the paperwork that the IRS needs. Um, that's, you know, that, that's a whole different way of thinking about it than, but what's the actual transaction, the actual buyer, and what does that actual person need? What really jumped out to me about your story was that you went to develop a bid as a buyer. I assume you did it at what you thought would be a fair price. It would make sense after the deal. Yeah. And you came back with feedback that went that it, you weren't off by 20%, but it was X to three X. Yeah. 
in that range. And I think that so perfectly illustrates the question of, well, there was somebody in the market who really wanted that company that you were looking at to the tune of three times more than you wanted it. Yeah. And getting in the zone of what do people really want and what will they pay for is such an important part of, you know, of really having good deal options. Yeah. You know, you talked earlier about terms. And this is something also I think is underappreciated by our membership. You know, when they think about selling the firm, obviously the first question is what's it worth? <coughs> Excuse me. But they 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 don't put enough emphasis on terms, in my opinion. The example that you gave earlier, you know, when you peel the someone said I sold it for twenty times last year's profit, but then you peel the onion back and not really. And I think comps also inform what the terms are. And there was an old phrase, I forget who said it, but you name the price, I'll name the terms, something along those lines. <laughs> um, Great phrase, right? Yeah. What, um, what does comps in running a process with someone like yourself reveal about terms that typically surprise first-time founders? I would say... I would say that people get surprised by two things. One is because we all talk about multiples and comps as if it were a clean price. Mm. That's one, one surprising thing is that buyers and for that matter, sellers don't make the decision about the price on the basis of last year's earnings. People are getting together to make a decision based on what's going to happen after the deal. Mm. And it's a convenient way to express it, to say, well, it was some multiple of last year's earnings. That wasn't really anybody's decision point. Mm. So that, I think, comes as a surprise to people, Mm. is, oh, the multiple wasn't the reason that the multiple appeared. Mm. The other related part of it, I think, is surprising to people is, is for all... You know, all of us do sales in the normal part of building our firms. Selling your business in the end is sales. Yeah. You know, and it's it's a it's best done in my experience as a consultative selling process. When you're sitting down with someone else, the topic is, what can I do that's going to impact your business, and then how can we share the results of that? Yeah. And that conversation, in my experience, does as much to influence terms as it does to influence price Interesting. because that's the point at which you accommodate well was the day after the sale all about the buying company taking over operations and letting the founder leave or was it all about providing a new platform for the selling company's founder so that she could go run three times as fast as she was able to do alone mm. It's that kind of business plan that really drives terms. And um, and it may also drive price, but a little bit jokingly, it can those things can get conflated, right? And my my story, which by the way is a, is a true one about the, you know, about a client who sold for a price that he they in, in this case could honestly go say to their friends was 20 times. And the buyer could honestly go say to their board, it was seven times hmm. because their respective views of what was going to happen afterwards hmm. were just different. Hmm. That is a great story. 
Well, listen, we're at our time window here, but um, Frank, on behalf of the membership, this is an area that um, our members lack experience with. So, because they're first-time founders, they haven't been through a transaction before, for the most part. So, having an expert like yourself in the community is is really helpful. And the way the collective works is, we all make deposits to the collective body of knowledge, and we all learn from it. So, on behalf of the members, thank you for doing that today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I have really valued being part of Collective Great. And if anybody is uh, thinking about selling their business, I tell, I say it in the book, I say it on the podcast, don't go it alone. Uh, hire somebody like Frank to represent you. Um, it's a mistake when you're doing this to try to do it on your on your own. And usually a, a representation like Frank will make your life a lot easier, make you some more money, get you better terms. And just hold your hand through the process. So um, if you want to get a hold of him, do so through the member portal. Okay, so uh, for those that are interested in this topic and others like it, if you haven't read the book yet, The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm, I'll direct you to that. And then for those that are listening that are not members but would enjoy being uh, part of a community of peers and meet exceptional people like Frank, consider joining our mastermind community. You can find it at collective54.com. Thanks again, Frank. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you, Grant. Goodbye.